Before we begin the show, I just want to say that this podcast is brought to you by the Wedding Video Boss Patreon page. There you can pledge as low as $1 to keep the show going. Different tiers give you different perks like transcripts of all the current episodes. This is for those who don't have time to listen for an hour. You also have extra episodes that are a little bit more in-depth and straight to the point. Also, for a limited time, coaching sessions with me. So head on over to www.patreon.com that's p a t r e o n.com/weddingvideoboss to learn more. All right, see you there. I'm going to give you a good example. So I have a friend, she's nice as can be, and she is a wedding planner. Her packages, she told me one day, she's like, "Valerie, I'm doing Facebook ads." And I'm like, "Okay, are you promoting or are you boosting a post?" "No, no, I'm actually doing an ads manager." I'm like, "Good for you. You're doing better than most people that I would say. Who are you targeting?" And then she explained her targeting to me. Way, 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 way too broad. You want to be the thing to somebody as opposed to something for everybody because you want to always remember on Facebook and Instagram that specific sells. Isn't that money? Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss podcast where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative and today we invited Valerie McCartney and we're talking about the biggest mistakes people make when using Facebook and Instagram ads. I'm Paul Santiago, your host. She is the wizard of ads, and we're going to dive really deep into the common myths and misconceptions about Facebook and Instagram ads that stop most wedding bosses dead in their tracks before they even get started. So don't go anywhere because the interview is coming up in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. With a background in corporate marketing and franchise development, Valerie has held senior level positions at PepsiCo, Nestle, Tyson Foods, El Pollo Loco, and Johnny Rockets. In 2010, along with her husband, she founded Enticing Tables, a specialty event decor business that designs, builds, rents, and sells original decor made in their metal studio and workshop. While their metal craft has been published in myriad event magazines and blogs, Valerie's frustration with traditional event industry advertising, coupled with her analytical approach to marketing and business development, drove her to research, study, and test paid Facebook and Instagram ads as a way to grow their niche-based business. Not posting to the masses, but advertising directly to brides and grooms. After seeing a 307% return on advertising investment, that means six weddings booked off of one well-crafted and well-targeted ads, she fell in love with Facebook and Instagram ads and uses them daily to get her products directly to the news feeds of engaged to-be-married guys and girls. With multiple years of hands-on Facebook and Instagram advertising know-how, She now uses her in-depth knowledge to teach other wedding and event pros how to reach their target audience. Her teaching style is practical, not theoretical, which I love, full of actual event and wedding industry examples, and she makes a complicated subject understandable for even the least tech-savvy people. Friends, help me in welcoming Valerie McCartney. Hey, Valerie. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. How are you, Paul? I'm pretty good. 
this is uh so far uh, i'm outside I, i'm at my mom's house because <laughs> we're having lunch <laughs> and i oh. i felt like i needed to uh take out i don't know if you could see me but i feel felt like i needed to like take out the, the dead leaves from the from everything just so the the whole setting is very enticing for you i don't know if you saw what i did there <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you for working our brand name into that. I appreciate that. And, and I'm sure your mom loves seeing you. Uh, yeah, she does. <laughs> okay. So um, before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that might surprise them. Oh, gosh, something about myself. Um, I am probably twice as old as most people in this industry. And yet um, I still play doubles beach volleyball twice a week. I played in college and uh, with my doubles partner I played in tournaments many many years and you can still find me twice a week down at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas um, playing with my partner wow that's cool yeah you can still play at a, at a uh, late age we still play pretty competitively we don't do tournaments anymore because it sucks up too much time but we all play a lot and we play competitively there's a lot of competition a lot of swearing and it's a good workout <laughs> Uh, we we got into I think me and my wife we went to Pennsylvania last year on mm -hmm. Philadelphia and um her her uh dad's brother the oldest brother is 86 years old and he plays tennis um he's a state champion in Pennsylvania That's uh, awesome. at 86 and I we were like oh my gosh this is like a really good sport if you're like I feel like it's a it's a sport that you could play until you know until you can't play anymore, and I I feel like that's a really good sign that he's 86 and he his his competitors he his competitors are um, 60 years old at the most because his age bracket they're all gone <laughs> so <laughs> so they oh, they move oh. him down so he's that good he beats these 86 year old people so that's cool. Or the 86-year-old beats the 60-year-olds. That's awesome. Good for him. Yes. So I, I, my, my partner and I have been known to beat girls considerably younger than us. So, um, so and I, I will say it does make you feel pretty good. Oh, yeah. I bet. Because w whenever I play basketball and I beat, like, the 20-year-olds, I'm like, yeah. At least for that <laughs> moment. <laughs> so, okay. <Thank> so, <laughs> uh, now I want to ask you what your origin story is and what you're up to now, how, like how you got into the industry and what you're up to. Um, yeah, we got into the industry, frankly, quite, quite randomly. My background is all corporate. I was with PepsiCo uh, for 12 years, Nestle before that. And I have a lot of experience as director of franchise development and VP of franchise development for restaurant chains like El Pollo Loco and Johnny Rockets and such. But as anybody who spent any time in corporate America knows, at some point in time, <clears throat> you're probably going to get whacked. You're probably going to get laid off. And um, because once you get to a certain uh, salary level, you become very expensive and they start looking to cut uh, to cut you out of the mix. And um, I got laid off from a you know big fancy schmancy corporate job right around December of 2008 and anticipated that, you know, once the recession kind of played out, I would ultimately go back. And then sometime in the middle of that, I started a company called Enticing Tables. And the origin is essentially, I started dating a guy who was a welder <laughs> and he welded for NASA. And about nine months into our dating relationship, we were watching some stupid show about weddings on TV. I think it was called 
platinum weddings. I probably shouldn't say it was a stupid show, but the premise of each each uh, episode was gazillion you know, back in the day because we didn't know anything about this industry. We would watch this show. I have no idea why we were watching it nine months in, but at any rate, uh, nine months in, we were watching an episode of Platinum Weddings, and the premise of the show was about you know over the top million dollar weddings, and they showed some wedding and everything was opulent and gorgeous except for they had these god-awful candelabras that came straight out of 1972. And I know this because I'm the youngest of six kids and four of my five siblings had those god-awful candelabras at um, our uh, church wedding or their, or their wedding at the church we grew up in. And so I commented to my then boyfriend, I said, I can't believe these people, you know, spend all this money, have these horrible candelabras. And he said, well, maybe that's the only thing that's on the market. And I said, yeah, perhaps. And I said, well, you're a really good welder. I bet you could make something super cool. And he said, well, I build space shuttles. And he said, you'd have to design it. And I said, well, I franchise restaurants and build restaurants for a living. But I'm somebody who loves a good challenge. So I drew basically a really bad rendition of a flower stand on a napkin. And between the two of us, we made one. I happened to take it down couple weeks later to a local flower shop because I was having a dinner party and I wanted to put this thing on my dinner table and I took it down there to get some flowers and the girl behind the counter she said this is a really cool flower stand where'd you get this and I responded and said oh um well I know the people that make them and she said oh kid do you think you could get some of these for me because we might want to sell these in our store and I said yeah I think I probably can and so um, I came home, I called my boyfriend, his name is Joe, um, and said, hey, you remember that candelabra thing that we made a couple of weeks ago? And he said, yeah. And I said, guess what? We're going to start a business. And he said, what? And so we started a business in my garage making uh, decor for the events industry. We started out making floral stands and cupcake stands and cake stands and arches and canopies and things of that nature. And we literally started on a whim in my garage and then moved later on into a small industrial facility couple of years later into another larger industrial facility. And we've been in business since 2009 and we have about 200 plus products in our portfolio. We are essentially a party rental company, but our unique selling proposition is that we only rent the 200 plus products that we fabricate in-house. So people come to us to find things that they can't find um, anyplace else. And then of course the event professionals across the country, some of the big production houses buy from us to fill their own rental inventory, the rental companies and floral companies across the U.S. So we started on a whim, knowing nothing about nothing. That's cool. Do you, um, so you, do you build custom and you sell it to clients also, or is it just all rental? So we have three different channels of business. We have the, of the roughly 200 plus products that we have, we rent all of them within Southern California because that's as reasonably far as you can go, you know, and, and deliver for a given event. So we have roughly anywhere from six to 10 events on a weekend and we do a lot of corporate business during the week. So we are a rental company, but then we additionally sell those same items to other rental companies and other event production companies across the U.S. to service their local market. It's, and then our third channel of business is we do have people saying, hey, can you make me something um, very specific to our needs? 
So we do plenty of custom work that tends to be more on the corporate side. We get requests from, you know, the Home Depot national sales meeting and they want a biker bar looking facade for their cocktail reception. And so, you know, we always say, you know, you will be able to enjoy that biker bar facade for a long time because you're going to own that bad boy because I can't possibly rent it again. So we do plenty of custom work, although most of the custom work is for the corporate side of things because they have such very specific needs. Gotcha. So that's so cool. It's a very niche, very, I don't, I don't think I know anyone that does that. So it's, it's a really cool business. Thank you. Yeah, it's extremely niche. Um, it's really niche, which was, you know, a good thing and a bad thing to start. I mean, we employ seven welders and another three shop people and, and of course, delivery drivers and such. And in the beginning, people would say to me, oh, gosh, you know, you're so lucky. Nobody does what you do. And, and to a certain extent, that was somewhat true. But then on the other hand, um, what led me into really where we are now, I mean, obviously, Enticing Tables has been in business for nine years, and we go at it seven days a week. But um, we found early on that we struggled with the marketing side of things. Because we are so niche-based, we didn't fit at all within the traditional wedding and event related marketing portals the ones that are without naming names the ones that are very category specific that say hey if you're a photographer hey like you if you're a videographer if you're a florist if you're a caterer if you're a baker if you're a dressmaker you can advertise here in this category and we tried it for about six months um, unsuccessfully and our basic problem was you know that we don't make the flowers we make what you put the flowers on i mean we make you know and design 30 different floral and candelabra stands you know in four different colors but we don't do the flowers so we didn't fit well within the flower category similarly we make really big beautiful catering displays um but we don't make the catered food lord knows you do not want me cooking for you so we were um we were such a you know a niche is a nice way to say it. A misfit might be a more accurate way to say it. And because we were such a misfit within the traditional um, wedding and event marketing, you know, fields or just things that were available at the time, that's why I started researching Facebook and Instagram ads. And then once I re- learned how to do it and taught myself, I got pretty darn excited about it because the first ad I ever ran, I got a 1,400% return on investment, which is to Whoa. say, you know, yeah, yeah, I was hooked. I mean, the marketer, the marketer in me, and I'm very analytical coming out of corporate America. Um, you know, you are tied to a PL. And so, uh, you know, I had a marketing problem. And I thought of myself as a great marketer, having, you know, come out of corporate America. But what I didn't realize until um, I was doing it on my own is that, you know what, I had a really good org chart. I had a three page org chart of marketing people reporting to me um, and a budget you know, the size of, you know, Croatia's gross national product. <laughs> and and when you move into being a marketing team of one, as I am now, and you're spending money out of your own checkbook, um, you uh, get, you either get very frustrated or you really work hard and learn how to find things that work. And, and that tends to be more my uh, personality. I'm, I'm kind of a born, you know, problem solver so i spent about a good solid year and a half teaching myself the ins and outs of paid facebook ads paid instagram ads and and coming up with good ads that would get my product directly in front of 
brides and grooms and and other target audiences that I have because we sell so much product um, on the B2B side, meaning we sell to these other event production companies and other event professionals. So I had to learn how to target them specifically as well on Facebook and Instagram. So um, after doing it for two to three years, I started teaching other people how to do it. And so I started my other company, which is called Wedding Ads That Work. And it specifically is about teaching folks in the wedding industry, regardless of your given profession, whether you're a florist, a caterer, a baker, a videographer, photographer, dressmaker, it's teaching them how to get their product and service directly in front of brides and grooms, because that's the target audience that most of us share. But additionally, for those of us that care about reaching the event professionals, the wedding planners and and the other service providers teaching that as well. So I've been I've been teaching it both as a course, um, a group course, as well as one on one tutoring for about two and a half years now. Wow. Holy moly. Sorry, that that was a long one. (laughs) No, that was actually great because it now it makes sense, like how you got into uh, Facebook and specializing in advertising in marketing, like advertising, because yeah, nothing, nothing makes you better at it than having a problem yourself. Right. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have a choice because nothing else worked for us. We knew we, you know, people loved our product, but we were, you know, the best little kept secret out there. And we knew that if we could get eyeballs on our product, we would get, we would generate revenue. And the beauty of Facebook and Instagram is, you know, I can't spend what Macy's can spend or what Bed Bath & Beyond can spend, but I can certainly target as well as they can target. I can get in front of the exact same brides and grooms that they're getting in front of. I can't get in front of, you know, for my dollars that I spend on a daily basis, I can't get in front of as many as they do, but I can absolutely target every bit as um, concisely and specifically as they can. Okay, man, I'm so interested in this right now. I I can't tell you when <laughs> when you when you emailed back to me when you uh, replied back to me. I got so excited because this is actually one of my frustrations. Facebook sure. ads, and now that Instagram is kind of like overtaking Facebook, now I have to worry about both, and I hate it because I suck <laughs> and I'm spending money. And my wife's looking at me like, what are you doing with the money? Stop. So this is going to be really helpful. My, my question okay. now is, how do you feel about people saying that Facebook is competing with YouTube? And yeah. So how do you feel about that? That, that Facebook, they're trying to turn Facebook into the new YouTube. Well, YouTube is owned by Google and Facebook and Google are kind of arch rivals. So that doesn't surprise me. It also doesn't worry me, right? What their strategy is, you know, they're they're a publicly traded company, so they have a fiduciary duty to their stockholders, just like all sorts of other companies. And you and I might have some of their stock in our portfolio or in our mutual funds. So, you know, I trust them to a certain extent to do what they think is going to add shareholder value. That's the That's the stockholder in me. But the small business owner in me says, I just don't care because it doesn't it doesn't change my strategy. My job is to get my product or service in front of as many of the right people. And I keep saying the right people um, because folks get really, really concerned about numbers. And it's not about numbers. It's about quality versus quantity. And I can explain that a little bit further. But 
you know, I don't, I mean, they might be trying to become YouTube. Certainly video is a big part of the Facebook platform. But at the end of the day, as somebody who has a very clear goal in mind of getting my product or service directly in front of the right eyeballs, I couldn't care less. Okay. Because the, the reason why I ask this is because I think I listened to, um, I forgot who I listened to, but he it, it was a podcast and he was interviewing someone and they were saying that the, re, the Facebook ads are at the mo- all-time high when it comes to like cost right now because they're trying to turn it into YouTube, right? And in the future, like two years or three years from now, the only people that can afford to advertise on Facebook are the corporations because it's just going to be like TV. Like you can't really post an ad anymore or something. That's why they're saying you should hop onto the Facebook ads now while it's still kind of like affordable. Is that is that something that's true or have you heard anything about well, that? Well, that has less to do with them trying to compete with – it is a – finite product if you I mean think about tv back in the day even though there are more tv commercials on your you know whatever hour-long television show than there ever have been there's still a finite amount right they're only going to put in so many commercials for every hour of programming so it is a finite product right? Let's say it's an hour long show. They're going to put in whatever, let's say 20 minutes worth of commercials. I don't know the TV business anymore since I got out of corporate marketing, but let's say it's 20 minutes of commercials. So if there's only 20 minutes, then yes, whoever is competing to advertise in those 20 minutes, it's basic econ 101, supply and demand. If you have a finite product, then yes, the the lack of supply is going to drive the, the price up. So Facebook and Instagram are not dissimilar in that they also are not going to, there's a ratio, the algorithm has a ratio of how many ads you or I are going to see relative to non-ad content in our feeds, right? Because if they turn it into nothing but an ads platform, what's going to happen? You and I are going to drop off, right? We're going to stop looking on our Instagram feed. We're going to stop looking on our Facebook feed and they are going to lose their power as a ginormous advertiser. So they understand that their number one job is to give the user, not the advertiser, but to give the user, you, me, and you know my mom and the barista down the street, to give us a good user experience so that they can keep us on the platform as long as reasonably possible so that they can tell advertisers, hey, people stay on, a- on our platform longer than any other platform, therefore you should advertise with us, right? So it's not a whole lot different than you know NBC trying to keep eyeballs on, on their TV station so that they can sell more ads to Pepsi, right? It's just digital as opposed to, uh, as opposed to TV-based. So um, basic Econ 101 says, if the supply is limited, and if demand stays high, then the cost will rise. So we know that from a theoretical perspective, as far as have I personally witnessed the cost of my ads mm-hmm. increasing, um, I have not seen a dramatic increase. So um, it is still by far the most effective, the most time efficient and the most cost effective marketing that I do. When I see the the return on investment that I get from a well-targeted Facebook ad or a well-crafted Instagram ad, 
I literally measure every single marketing opportunity against that. And that includes going to mixers um, where I'm not going to necessarily pay to go to the mixer, but I got to get in my car and I got to drive and I got to get dressed and I got to do all these things and I'm going to spend my time. What if I spent those two hours working on testing my, you know, Instagram ads and trying to reduce my cost per click or trying to increase my, my cost per, or excuse me, reduce my cost per impression and, and increase my impressions. So I have become the pickiest darn marketer in the world. People hate selling to me because I'm kind of a data girl and and I always just say nothing personal, but you're hard pressed to give me more for 20 bucks than what Zuckerberg is going to give me for 20 bucks because I know how this how it works because I have taught myself and done a lot of testing on this. I mean, I did, trust me, I wasted lots of my own money and I wouldn't say wasted time because I learned every single time I ran a crappy ad, I learned like, oh, I did this wrong or oh, I should have done that better. Um, but I certainly wasted some money early on doing, uh, not knowing what I was doing. Um, one of the reasons I teach this course is because like you, I have lots of friends in the industry and it pains me to see them struggling with this stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't want them to lose their money. I don't want them to lose their time. So, you know, I always just kind of offer, it's not that I'm any smarter than they, it's just that I've done the hard part and done all the homework and spent my money and spent my time um, to figure out how to do this stuff. Okay. I have a bunch of questions, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like we should get into the the actual thing that we were supposed to talk about before I ask you just in case, you know. I don't want to get ahead okay. of myself. <laughs> so I no, was wondering no So now what are the since you've been doing this for a long time, at least you know, you've done trial and error. What are the biggest mistakes you see people making when when, when using Facebook and Instagram ads? Yeah, I mean, I've been running my own ads for a good solid three and a half years now, and it is my primary source of marketing. And when I teach people, I, I see generally about four basic, not basic, but four frequently occurring um, mistakes. And the, the first one is, frankly, saying, oh, well, I turn my social media over to my intern. And my response is, well, that's great, but this isn't social media. Social media is the posting that you do, your what's called organic posts, meaning the free stuff, the stuff that you post about your business, the stuff that you may post about whatever on your business page um, on Facebook and on your profile on Instagram. And if you want to turn that over to an intern, okay, I'm not a big fan of that because I think nobody knows your business like you do. But nonetheless, that's something that, a, that an intern can probably do. But the first mistake that people make is basically confusing what is paid marketing or what I call paid traffic because you're going to use Facebook and Instagram not to actually sell the product on Facebook or on Instagram, but to drive traffic to your front door, which for most of us, I'm referring to our digital front door, which is our website, right? And I guarantee you, I teach people half my age how to do this stuff. And most interns don't understand the difference between social media, which is just basic posting, versus paid traffic, meaning how to get into the back end of the Facebook ads manager, which is the guts that drives both your Facebook ads and your Instagram ads, and not only know what buttons to click and what buttons to unclick, but also to know how to build the correct ad, So, so and how to test it and find how to 
make a better ad mm. than the ad that you ran last time, how to drive down your cost per click, how to drive down your cost per impression. So the first mistake, frankly, is just confusing paid traffic with social media. They are two vastly different things. One is just posting stuff and about your business, and that's fine. I'm certainly not opposed to it. But the second one requires a lot more know-how, and that's the first kind of rookie mm -hmm. mistake I see. And the second one that kind of is on the tails of that is so many of my students and, and consumers in general, people in general, are hung up on the idea of, uh, what we call vanity met vanity metrics, meaning fan counts on um, Facebook and follower counts on Instagram. And at the end of the day, unless you have a gazillion of either one of those, the numbers really don't matter that much because frankly, mm -hmm. um, on, on a good day, Facebook is going to show your average post that you might throw up on a Monday morning on your business page. Facebook is going to show that to about 1.5 of your fans. Yeah. So unless your, your top line fan number is pretty darn high, 1.5% doesn't get you very far. Um, on Instagram, that number is still hovering around you know, three to three and a half, depending upon who you ask. But even so, sheer arithmetic says, unless you have a really high fan or follower count, your organic posts, organic is another word for free, just really don't get you all that far. And yet so many people focus so much time, effort, and energy um, on getting in front of one and a half percent of their Facebook fans or three percent of their Instagram followers. And it is just a losing proposition. And I always say I can spend, you know, an hour trying to get in front of one and a half percent of my, my fan base or my follower base, or I can just give Facebook or Instagram five bucks a day to get me in front of the right people. So it's all about quality versus quantity. Um, when I post things or when you post things on your Facebook page, let's, let's start there. Mm -hmm. Think about who your fa fans are comprised of. Um, because many of us built our fan base back in the day by virtue of Facebook having a built-in thing. You remember the thing there where you could send it out to everybody in your contacts that says, hey, like my business page. You remember yes. that? Yep. Okay. So by definition, who are you sending it to? Your friends. Right. People that yeah. already know, like, and trust you. It, it is the digital equivalent of preaching to the choir. So you are sending out something. All these people saying, hey, you probably like me in real life. At least you're in my contacts. So you know me in real life. Will you go like my Facebook page. And they're like, yeah, sure. I like you. Paul, you seem like a nice guy. I want, I want to help you in the way I can. Right. So, so what happens is when you throw something up on your Facebook page and Instagram, again, same algorithm. So it's not, it's not dissimilar. When you throw something up on your Facebook page, what happens? Those people, those people, a, a fraction of them, 1.5% of them are going to see it. And what are they going to do? They are going to like it, comment or share, right? It's kind of like a hierarchy, essentially, like you uh, you know, sharing is the is the granddaddy, and then and then uh, commenting is below that, and then liking is is mm. is below that. But uh, honestly, why does that matter to you? These people already know you. If they're in the market for a videographer, they're probably going to call you anyway. And but they they think they're helping you because they know enough about Facebook to say, hey, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to like my friend's stuff because it helps them. But in reality, all they're really doing is sucking up your one and a half percent. So yeah. you're getting in front of generally the same people who are already your your legitimate real life friends over and over and over, and you're not getting in front of the right people, which 
for us certainly are brides and grooms and other event professionals. So people spend so much time trying to post stuff only to get in front of, you know, the wrong people because in the beginning, the people that became your fans were already your, your friends in real life. Yeah. Um, Instagram is a little bit better in that um, your Instagram followers there never was a, hey, will you like my Instagram page? People had to like you because they either legitimately liked you or because, frankly, they're your competitor. <laughs> they wanted to see what you're going to do. But they came to you, uh, to your Instagram page, of their own volition. And so you can make a basic assumption that there is some, there are some um, Facebook followers, excuse me, Instagram followers who are genuinely interested in your business and who didn't already know know you in the first place. So the quality of the folks over there is arguably better than the quality of folks on your Facebook page just because you didn't juice the system and you didn't pass a note in gym class to them that said, hey, will you like me? Check yes, check no sort of thing. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I just want to say I'm so guilty of both, both of these <laughs> because yeah Every, everybody is because for me i feel like now my facebook is for my friends and my instagram is for my followers so that's what i try to concentrate on but going back to the first one which is confusing what is uh paid marketing and what's content i wanted to ask well, you oh confusing yeah. confusing social media oh gotcha at versus pay, versus paid traffic. Yes. Okay. I want to ask you for for myself, how would I know how would I differ content from marketing? Oh, uh, I mean from something that I should put in an ad and something that yeah. I should just leave in social cuz there there there's usually a, a thin line between that. Like when I do a wedding, I want to yeah. show the video, but should I make this as an ad or should i just leave it be you know isn't that a great question you know what's better if we have an actual conversation about it i created a facebook group just for the bosses that's right i'm calling y'all bosses because i really want to hear what you think let's talk about your business share your frustrations and celebrate your victories i want to surround myself with driven hard-working people so we can help each other out and not feel like I'm being judged all the time. Let's talk about business. I can't wait to see you there, so visit the show notes after the interview and click on the link. Okay, now let's get back to the show. So I rarely post something on my page, and I'm going to just generically generically say my page because I'm going to just keep it moving versus me constantly saying Instagram versus Facebook. So let's just say I rarely post something and then run an ad of that same something, and, and here's why. The benefit of ads, you are target. When I run my ads, they are going specifically to an engaged female, meaning an engaged to be married female between the ages of 24 and 32 who lives in, and then I break them out even further. I like to do my San Diego based ads in one ad, what's called an ad set. I'm just going to call it a target audience. And then I do one for the same exact people 24 to 32 year old female engaged to be married in orange county and then i do the same thing in los angeles and the reason i break them apart into those three markets is because it costs me more to do a wedding in la than it does in san diego because i live in in san diego most of my product is here and so and my drivers are here so on and so forth right so 
I am um, so I am running ads to a very specific target audience. So the thing that I'm going to say to a 24-year-old to 32-year-old engaged bride-to-be is completely different than what I'm going to put on my page, you know, generically, right? And I'm going to call an organic, meaning a free post, the normal post that we all do. I'm going to call this generic or, or an organic post. So I'm going to give you a, for instance, right? The thing to remember about ads is that specific sales you one of the big the big um uh mistakes that i see my students make is they're scared to death to eliminate anybody they're like oh no i want to run this really broad this really generic ad i want to run it from you know 25 years of age to 80 years of age men and women living <laughs> everywhere of any walk in life it's like well that that is a useless ad because when you advertise it when you advertise you want your targeting to be specific. I like I said, twenty-four, thirty-two, engaged female, bride to be, right? And then I break out my geographies, and you want the messaging to be specific, so that that person feels like when they see that ad, they want you want them to feel like, oh my god, this guy totally gets me, right? Oh my gosh, not, not I am a florist, but I am the best darn wedding florist for people who are having a boho wedding. Okay, you can run another ad that says I'm the best darn wedding florist for people that are having a uh, ballroom wedding. I'm just trying to pick out different things, right? But you were trying to get in the mind of your target audience, your, we call it an avatar. I mean, my avatar is a girl named Brittany. She's 27 years old. She's getting married in exactly 17 months. And guess what? So are six more of her friends because that's who my target audience is, right? When I'm, when I'm working on the, on the bridal side of things, not on, not on the, the event professional side of things. So I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. What does Brittany, what is Brittany trying to fix, accomplish, solve, or avoid? And I can't do that on a generic post with just like, hey, here's my latest wedding video. Or in my case, hey, here's my latest really cool, you know, modern metal arch that we've just made. So you want to have a different strategy for what you advertise versus what you're just throwing up on your page. Okay, I love that. Oh my gosh, that's so helpful. Okay, and then um, I was going to say for the second one, when people are getting hung up on the follows and the likes, I'm so guilty of that. And mm -hmm. there was it, a time... Well, yeah, it makes us, makes us feel good. Yeah, there was a time that I got so hung up on it that it just affected my mood it affected my work and it got me always bothered like how come no one's liking my posts and no one's really engaging and blah 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 um my question is how do you feel about cuz they started Instagram just started to take out the like like meter in the uh, in other countries i think australia doesn't have the likes anymore you you're never going to see the likes on a post how do you feel okay. about that, that they're, they're planning to take that out? Uh, I didn't know, and I, and, and I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Again, <laughs> yeah, I, again, I am so focused on, I, you know, yes, I do have, we, we put things on our Instagram page all the time, and I ask every single customer of mine, if I don't know who they are, if it's not a repeat, you know, florist or a repeat wedding planner, um, and again, we get people from all over the country that buy our stuff. I always say, hey, how'd you hear about us? And once in a while, I do get people saying, oh, I saw you on Instagram. It's like, okay, that's great. Meaning an organic Instagram post, something I didn't pay for. 
but that's rare. Where the bulk of my business comes from is the $5 a day, because that's you can go as little as $5 a day on an ad. So the bulk of my business comes from me getting in front of the right people. So what Instagram and Facebook do to my organic posts down the road, I don't really care because I, I post and, um, and, you know, because I want to stay relevant so that when I run an ad, if somebody clicks over um, to my profile, I, I don't want to just look like a shyster who is, who does nothing but run ads. You've seen those pages that that have a gazillion followers and they've posted exactly one time, right? Which tells you that they have actually purchased followers. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person. So we stay current. We, you know, we post every single day. I alternate between things about my business and things that are funny. And I can explain to you why I do that specifically as a strategy. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't care what they do to my organic posts because my emphasis and my dollars and my return on investment go from me putting my product and service in front of the people that I choose as opposed to the people that, that see me in their feed. Excuse me, as opposed to the, my fans and followers, essentially. Okay, that's cool. Good, that's good to know. I, I you, just... Yeah. You, oh, yeah, you go just ahead. Can't you can't... The issue is if you're just throwing stuff up on your page, you're not targeting. That's, that's a problem. You're doing virtually no targeting. It, it it always has to be um how do how do you call it there it it's it has to be purposeful like whatever you throw out there has to be purposeful right well it has to be purposeful but it has to be in front of the right people even a crappy i mean when i te you know i teach at wedding mba and i spoke with a special event show and you know and i stand up there feeling like a doofus and i put up the very first ad that i ever ran with was like I said about four years ago and I'm embarrassed by it frankly I mean it is a bad ad but that's the ad that I got a 1400% return on investment which that's... is to say for every for every dollar I spent they returned 14 to me 14 dollars to me in terms of booked uh, wedding bookings right so oh. as bad as the ad was because it was pretty pedestrian and the photo was so-so and the ad copy was so-so. The one thing I did correctly was I put it in front of the right people. I put it in front of 24 to 32-year-old girls who were getting married back then in San Diego. So a crappy ad to the right people is always going to outperform the most beautiful ad on the planet to the wrong people. So the prettiest thing that you happen to post on your page when it's not in front of the right people, it's just a pretty thing on your page. And that's amazing. Your first post already gave you a return. It's it's just blowing my mind right now. That's why my, I'm my like first, my first ad. My your first, first ad. ad. Yes. Your first ad. Yeah. Correct. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else you want to talk about in number two, or do you want to move to number three? Um, well, number two, you know, we're talking about rookie mistakes because uh, I want to save people money and I want to save them time and effort and energy and heartache. So first of all, confusing paid, you know, paid marketing versus social media and um, having this go to an intern that just that just doesn't know what they're doing. But you assume they know what they're doing because, you know, gosh, they're 22 and every 22 year old knows social media. Right. And they do. But it's not social media is my point. Um, second thing, caring too much about vanity metrics. I guess the third one that goes along with that, and this is probably the, the biggest one where I see people struggle, is the boosting a post on Facebook or promoting a post on Instagram. Um, it, that is the slot machine of 
Facebook and Instagram, right? Um, it's easy. It's kind of kind of fun, I guess you could say. It, um, and it makes you feel like, well, hey, I'm advertising, so I'm doing something. <laughs> but right, but yeah. but the but the problem is you're you're not and this is one where a lot of my students or a lot of people say, and i have people say to me gosh do you work for mark zuckerberg i'm like no i only you know he's like a nice enough guy we just did his sister's wedding ironically um but nonetheless i only care because this works i'm very much a numbers girl and an analytics person and i do this um i do this because it works and the the boosting a post the reason it, i have when i talk with people about this and they're skeptical. And again, I'm not here to evangelize Facebook and Instagram ads. I just want to keep, I want to help people grow their business. Um, but that's the first thing people say to me, like, oh, I tried that and it didn't work. And I'm like, oh, really? You've been doing Facebook and Instagram ads? Uh-huh. Okay, great. Well, how did you do that? Well, you know that boost a post button? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I did that. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Just so you know, that's not that's not really advertising. But but good for you that you're, <laughs> that you're starting. Because here's here's how it works. Um, when you boost a post on Facebook, um, you are basically saying, hey, Facebook, I know that for free, you're going to show my post that I just threw up on my page to roughly one and a half percent of my fans. So I'm going to throw you some money, a few dollars to show it to more of the wrong people. That's all you're doing, right? You're showing it to more of your fans, more of the people that already know, like, and trust you, right? But you're not paying them. When you boost a post, there's precious little targeting you can do. They've improved it just a bit. But the amount of targeting that you can do on a boosted post versus the amount of targeting that you can do when you get into the back end, which is the Facebook ads manager, which is the portal that runs both Facebook and Instagram ads, it is worlds apart. I can target, if I want to reach um, wedding planners, I know exactly how to do that in the back end of Facebook uh, ads manager. Uh, you cannot do that on a boosted post, right? So you are basically just throwing money at the wind saying, hey, here's some money, show it to more than one and a half percent of my fans, but you're still showing it to your fans and your fans are still your mom, your dad, the guy that teaches your Bible study, the barista down the street, right? Wh whoever it happens to be, it's largely the wrong folks. You you know every time you say one percent, it always makes me nervous because I I just re always realize that oh my gosh, I just wasted so much money on ads and boosting my posts. <laughs> I'm well, you know, I'm sorry. I, I hear that a lot, and and so the good news is you can stop boosting posts, um, yeah. and and you can learn how to do it the I don't want to say legitimate way, but um, the effective and the productive and the productive way. Right. Because boosting a put, it's just a slot. It's a slot machine. It makes you feel like, hey, it's a little fun. Hey, I'm doing something. Hey, I'm trying. Um, but the, but the biggest issue is when it yields no results, you walk away thinking, oh, Facebook ads don't work and Instagram ads don't work. Yeah. And the reality is, well, well, you didn't really do a Facebook or an Instagram ad. You boosted a post or on Instagram, it's called promoting a post. So you don't really know that that's not what you were supposed to do in the first place but you walk away thinking i tried it it didn't work and you feel like a failure one more time on the marketing side of things right so half of my job is to help people say it's not you you just chose the wrong method this can be done correctly and it can drive your business okay oh my gosh this that was so helpful because i was thinking of boosting one post 
maybe Stop. like a month ago. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. Stop. I, 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 when I teach this, I, I seriously make people raise their hands like, like, you know, hand on the Bible type. I swear that I will, you know, whatever. And I'm like, swear to me, you will never boost a post because <laughs> it is, it is this, you know, if I do nothing else for you at this exact moment, because of course I teach this as a, it's a five and a half hour course. And I try to pare down the most useful stuff, you know, into a 45 minute presentation at the special events show or the, uh, or wedding MBA. So there's only a, I can only kind of give you a peek under the, the tent, but I always say, promise me here and now you will not boost a post and you will not promote a post because that's $10 that you can keep in your pocket to either, you know, frankly, buy my course and figure out how to do it correctly or go buy yourself a cocktail because either one of them is going to be more effective than boosting a post, boosting a post. Yeah. Or buy another vendor a cocktail and you're, you know, networking. <laughs> There you go. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Sweet. Okay. So, uh, We're done with number one, one to three. So what's number four? I'm so curious about number four. Okay. So number four, I, there's actually more. I'm trying to choose the one that I think is most beneficial. So number four is really trying to sell too much. And I know you're thinking, well, wait a second, you're writing an ad. You're supposed, you're supposed to be selling. Um, think about when, if you've ever been in a position where you're hiring people, um, what did you do if you got a five page resume from somebody? I'm probably going to skip that person. <laughs> okay, yeah. exactly. Exactly. You're going to throw it in the trash because yeah. a resume, a resume is not intended. Too many people try to use a resume to get the job. The resume isn't to get the job. The resume is to get the interview. The interview is to get you the job. Right. And so if you think of that analogy on Facebook ads and Instagram ads, um, your job on Facebook and Instagram is not to try to make the sale. It's to drive traffic to your website. It is a traffic generator. There's a reason I keep referring to it as paid traffic because there's unpaid, like when somebody searches for you on Google and you miraculously show up and then it sends people that's, that's unpaid or organic traffic. And then there's paid traffic. Right. So you're not when I see people actually trying to make a sale on Facebook or Instagram, I just shake my head because I'm like, you're trying to shortchange or cut out the, the middle. And the whole point is all you want to use Facebook and Instagram for is to get people off of Facebook and Instagram and into your digital front door, which is your website. Because when they're on Facebook, you're competing with, you know, puppy videos and kitten videos and whatever the latest, you know, in California, the latest earthquake news is, right? So, yeah. and, and on Instagram, you're, you know, it's a very low commitment platform. Nobody wants to click away from Instagram to go to long form content, right? So I use the two different platforms differently because not only do they have a slightly different target audience and user base and, and demography based, but what people do on them is different. So it, in either case, I am not trying to actually sell something in my Facebook ad. I don't put up an ad that says, here's a beautiful hexagon arch for your wedding. It's 
whatever, $350. I would never put that on there. I'm going to, I might put a picture of that beautiful hexagon arch, but you better believe the the traffic is to drive them over to my website. Because once I get them to my website, then I have the freedom to, first of all, I've wrested them away from the puppy and kitten videos. I have a hundred percent of their attention now, or at least as, as much as they're giving their computer. Right. So or their or their phone their kids might still be crying in the backyard but but i have now taken them off of facebook off of instagram and i've gotten them into my camp and there i can answer and there, you know in case we publish our pricing online so it's really easy to find but nonetheless i then have the freedom to you know get them to to tool around my website and it and if you can turn them from that cold lead which is what you call it when somebody sees your ad and get them over to your website you've just turned a cold lead into into a warm lead obviously if they send you an email or if you happen to have a you know capture form or however you go about collecting information then you've turned that into a hot lead right too many people try to go from cold to hot and they skip warm that makes so much sense yeah i'm going to give you a good example so i have a friend she's nice as can be and she is a wedding planner her packages she told me one day it's like valerie i'm doing facebook ads and i'm like okay are you promoting are you boosting a post no no i'm actually doing an ads manager i'm like good for you you're doing better than most people that i would say and like who are you targeting and then she explained her targeting to me i'm like way 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 too broad you want to be the thing to somebody as opposed to something for everybody right because you want to always remember on facebook and instagram that specific cells right and so she's like okay so we kind of tightened up her targeting and then she was when you would click on her ad I'm like okay when somebody clicks on your ad where does it go and she says right here and she sends her ad traffic over to her um kind of like her contact us form and I said so let me get this straight somebody is 10 seconds ago they're watching a puppy video you happen to have written an ad that is compelling enough or the picture is compelling enough that that you got them to click over to your website and she's like yeah i'm like okay good for you i said and then you send them to a page on your website that says hey what's your name what's your phone number what's your email address how many bridesmaids how many groomsmen um oh um, you know where are you getting married when are you getting married what's your budget what's your favorite flower color by the way what's your favorite flower hey what what size of cake and what flavor of cake are you going to have Like you just said, you, you have asked these people to marry you and they don't even know if they want to date you yet, right? You're trying to go way too fast. The traffic needs to go to another page on your website where you are giving them something, whether you're giving them pictures of beautiful products or you're giving them content and information, whatever it is that you give, right? Information, product, services, before you're asking them to give something to you. Right. So there's a whole series in an ad that when I see people try to go from the resume to the job, as opposed to resume interview job or from the ad on Facebook or Instagram to the sale, as opposed to to your website, get them to tool around a little bit and then start trying to make a sale. So it requires patience, basically. I love that. I love the. You're trying to get them to marry you, but they only want to, they're, they're just looking around and see who who they want to date first. That's right. That's uh, great. Right. I, I feel like, yeah. And yeah, go ahead. Well, and the premise and, you know, my friend, she's like, but I need this information. I'm like, I understand that you do, but you don't need it right now. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a there's a whole theory behind sales funnels. I love sales funnels, um, whole other call. But nonetheless, it's at that moment, it's really not about what you need. It's just about getting them off of Facebook and off of Instagram into your front door. Right. If you can do that, you are ahead of most people. Yeah. You know, we, we just got a business coach and his um, his concentration is more on digital marketing and um, funnel business mm -hmm. funnels and i i gotta tell you i just fell in love with funnels because it's just so flawless and smart the way that mm -hmm. you could you could provide value first but at the same time people are you know you're starting to build trust without even working for it because it's already set up it's just beautiful but anyway yeah. um i was just gonna say because you were talking about like trying to sell too much we had a friend who asked us about his company's website and he said what do you think about the website before i launch it and then we were re reading through the website and it's just the one thing our, our main feedback was it's just so much words and you're a photographer yeah. and oh, it's too much words like uh my name is this and this is what i used to do but now i love doing this and you know just nope. so many words that Really nobody like, cares oh, about you. nobody cares yeah. about you that the biggest I mean this is more general but the biggest marketing flaws that I see on websites again is people talking too much about themselves I mean nobody cares about you nobody cares about me they if you put yourself in the shoes of the web visitor and remember these things this is back from my Pepsi days what is your customer trying to fix accomplish solve or avoid? answer those questions. They, they don't care about you. They don't care that you used to love this and now you love that and that you used to live in Oregon and now you live in California or vice versa. You have to constantly remember what's in it for them because that's, because that's what they're saying. They're saying, what can this person bring me? Can they do my video on this date at a price that I can afford, right? Whatever, whatever their criteria are, so many websites make it particularly in the wedding industry, we just talk about ourselves way too much. Maybe. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. we, we just do. I think it's uh, people need to remember that you're trying to solve a problem yes. all, every time you post. And it's always, just like what I said earlier, it has to be purposeful, right? Because people, they don't even see the photos or the videos that you post online. They just scroll through it unless it's something interesting, like super interesting. That's right. So. Yep. Yeah, that's what I always, whenever I see, there was actually a time when I was scrolling through social media and I had to take a break for like a few days because I just, every time I feel like I see wedding photos or wedding videos, I want to like throw up because I, I just see those all the time. <laughs> and yep, I, I don't, I, yeah. Yeah, and I could just imagine like being a couple looking through all of these, you know, so yeah. It's, yep, I had to break up my feed with pictures of dogs because everything was just so beautiful all the time. And it's like, okay, and and frankly, contrived in many instances, even the, like, here's here's an authentic picture of me. Uh, well, you saw what I looked like on video before before we started. And so, you know, um, there's too much, you know, fake authenticity. And so I had to break up my feed with pictures of dogs just because that's what, that's what makes me happy. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Um, I, I, I hear you. The... You know, one of the things that I always advise people to do, even on their 
organic posts. Again, organic meaning the free stuff. I'm going to switch over from the paid traffic side over to traditional organic postings or just, you know, what we call social media. So there's a strategy that says, if I, if you inform me, if you entertain me, you earn the right to sell to me, right? If I inform you, if I entertain you, I earn the right to sell to you. So it's kind of like if anybody listens to NPR, it's kind of the NPR model, right? Whether or not we agree with their commentary, they, they do inform us, um, they do entertain us. And then when their pledge drive comes around, they try to sell to us, right? And, and people aren't terribly offended. If you listen to NPR, you get a lot of free content for a long time. And so if I inform you, if I entertain you, I earn the right to sell to you. So that's a three-pronged strategy. So in the beginning, I would break my posts into, here's an informative post, here's a funny post, Inter entertaining can be funny, heartwarming, cute, whatever. And then and then the third post would be, oh, and here's this cool thing that we just made, right? And I would do that one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And then I looked at the numbers and I realized my target audience does not give a rip about being informed. So I was like, okay, fine. I don't need to teach you guys something if you don't want to be informed. Like I would put interesting wedding related stuff, you know, new trends for 2019. And my target audience just did not give a rip. And it was very obvious by the by the lousy, lousy metrics. So I got rid of the three prong strategy. And I just went to a two prong strategy that says, I'm going to entertain you, then I'm going to talk about something that we're doing, then I'm going to entertain you and I flip flop, flip flop, flip flop. So if you were to get on my Instagram page um, today, for our company, you would see an alter and an alternation, um, not necessarily every single one, but generally you're gonna see an alternation of here's something funny and, and a little bit sarcastic, frankly, because that's just my personality. And here's either a work in progress of a product we're making, or here's a wedding we just did with a new product, blah, 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 right? And I do it strategically. I'm kind of giving away my secret here, but not only, for, I do it for two reasons. I actually have particularly florists and people that come up to me at weddings and go, Oh my God, are you the people that are you the people that post that really funny stuff on Instagram? Because right now nobody's posting funny stuff on Instagram. They're mostly posting the people that are following you and me are looking at, like you said, beautiful pictures or pictures of beautiful stuff. Yep. And so it helps people. I mean, I seriously have people come up to me at weddings, other event professionals and go, Oh my gosh, is that you? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's me. Like, what, what do I care why they remember me, right? I care, and not me personally, I'm referring to my brand. I don't care why they remember enticing tables. I care that they remember enticing tables. And if you look at the metrics on some of these stupid posts that I post, funny stuff, sarcastic stuff, you can't see my metrics, but I get a ridiculous amount of traffic well above the 4% that, and there three and a half percent that Instagram should normally give me. I get a ridiculous amount of traffic. I get people um, saving and sharing, which is all fine, fine, fine. But you know what I really care about? I care about how many people clicked over to my profile because guess what happens? Even though they might be clicking over to my profile to go, who the heck are these people, right? They're posting this funny stuff. I guarantee you when they get over to our profile page, they see a lot of beautiful metalwork and a lot of pretty stuff that they might need for their wedding. So again, I am using it strategically. I'm going to entertain and I get, then I'm going to tell you something about us. I'm going to entertain, you know, flip flop, flip flop every time. And I use it strategically to try to get people to click on my profile because even though their initial reason for clicking is probably who the heck are these people and oh my gosh, they're kind of sarcastic and occasionally a little bit off color. Um, when they get to my profile, 
they're mine. Then they start liking pictures of my product. And then I start seeing the website clicks happen because I can track it backwards from my Google Analytics. Wow. Right. So it's all it's all very um, kind of strategic in nature. But again, I only do it because it works. So when you say you post something funny and then you post something uh, about your product, are th are those two separate posts, or yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I try. Yeah, yeah, they're completely unrelated. I try to think of something stupid or funny to say about whatever it is. That's. I mean, I post you know memes essentially, little funny saying, not so much cartoonish ones, but little funny sayings. Um, and, and again, I know who, I know that my target audience, by virtue of looking at the metrics of my Instagram or Facebook, I know who my target audience is, and I know that currently it's still predominantly women. So, okay, I'm not stupid. You know, my husband will occasionally say, you know, you make men look stupid on Instagram, and I'm always <laughs> like, first, first of all, dude, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm like it's just marketing, but also that's who my target audience is. Yeah. Right. And, and they vote with their likes, comments, and shares. And so it works. I have florists that I meet. They're like, Oh my gosh, are you that person that posts that funny stuff? Oh gosh, I am. You know, again, I don't care why they remember enticing tables. I care that they remember enticing tables. That's, that's exactly what I do too. Um, I'm also going to do the secret, but I, I guess I already told other people this, But what I do on, on my Facebook feed is just like goofing off every single stupid thing I do. I just post it. But everything's so intentional that mm -hmm. they I lead people. Because my target audience are the vendors that we work with. Because I want right. repeat work from the vendors that I like working with. So I don't really target, I don't really target the couples anymore. Because I uh -huh. want to work with the vendors I want to work with. I, that's the one thing that stresses me out is when I'm whenever we're working with someone new and it turns out they're not really nice to work with. So I kind of have this this database of the people that I work with, and that's that's all my posts are for them, like on Facebook. And then, well, not not yeah. to blow your mind, but if you have a database of your preferred vendors, and if the email that's on your database is the same email that they use to sign up when they first signed up on Facebook, you could do what's called a custom audience and you drop that database into Facebook and you now end up directly into those people's feeds. Oh my God. This is kind of, this, yes, this is Facebook, you know, certainly 201 and, and retargeting is 301, but I'm going to give you a, for instance, we still run um, print ads in two different publications. I won't say which they are, but we run print ads in two different publications. I couldn't give a rip what the ad actually looks like. But what I do care about is that both of these publications do an outstanding job of collecting email addresses, right? And, and ideally phone numbers. And I take those email addresses and in addition to doing a monthly e-blast, because I don't want to burn out the list. I don't want, you know, um, they're, they're obviously brides and grooms. Um, And I don't want to, you know, burn them out and have them unsubscribe. Um, certainly, some do, but not a, not a big deal. And but I can take that same list and I drop it into what's called the custom audience. And as long as it's the same email address that they used when they signed up for Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes it's not because we know that brides and grooms do what I call the, you know, the, the throwaway email addresses. Yeah. You know, Bobby and Susie, Bobby and Susie, you know, 2019 at gmail.com, whatever. That's why if you can get a phone number, it's even better because people rarely change their phone number. Right. Yeah. So it, you could 
surreptitiously, if you wanted to find the phone numbers of all your favorite vendors, drop that into a custom audience um, on Facebook and Instagram. And what happens is Facebook and Instagram, the algorithm does a matchup. It's not going to say, oh, here's Jenny from, you know, something borrowed, something new. Okay, I'm making this up. I hope there is no Jenny there. So um, wedding planning, it's not going to say, here's her, here's her thing. It's simply going to put them in a, a bucket. So for privacy purposes, it's not going to tell you who the people are. But I know when I take my leads lists that I get from the two different publications and I drop those into a, what's called a custom audience on Facebook, I get roughly, even with, the, even with the throwaway emails that the couples make, I get roughly a 70% match. So now I'm even hyper-targeting. I'm not just saying 24 to 32-year-old girls who are engaged to be married in San Diego County or Orange County or LA. I'm saying I want these specific people whose email addresses were captured correctly and fairly and, and legally through their participation in um, these various you know publications that obviously disclose that they collect their leads. And so I'm getting in front of very specific people who I know are actually not only getting married, but they are shopping for wedding stuff because the lead came either from their opting in to the magazine's website portal or to a bridal show, a wedding show that they may have attended. So the efficacy and the value of the leads list is huge and specifically for other vendors where you can do your custom audiences and then you could do what's called a lookalike audience, which basically says, okay, Facebook and, and Instagram algorithm, these people do really well for me. Go get me more people like this, people who share these characteristics with this first leads list. Oh, that's crazy. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you can see why I get excited about it. Yeah. You're getting me too excited too. <laughs> um, okay. Now I want to ask you, um, how is there a big difference when it comes to ads? Is there a big difference if I do a blog post or if I post a video or a photo when it comes to posting an ad? Yeah, absolutely. It all depends on who your target audience is, right? So um, generally, I use Instagram to, to simply get eyeballs on my product. It's called impressions, right? And you, you can just call an impression an, an eyeball or a pair of a set of eyeballs, right? So I ran as part of my testing years ago, and I still test occasionally just to make sure I'm still wrong about this. Um, I test my ad, I'll run the same ad on Facebook and, and on Instagram, but I run two different objectives, right? What are two different goals for lack of a better description on Facebook? I want them to click on it and have it take them to my website because I run very specific ads. So for instance, we might run an ad that says Southern California, Southern California's largest selection of modern wedding arches. I'm just pulling this out of my ear, right? And when they click on that, it takes them to my website that has roughly 30 different modern wedding arches that they can rent in Southern California, right? So I make sure that what I am sending them to 100% matches up to what the ad was about. And on Instagram, on the flip side, I don't try to get people to click over to my website because 
think about how you use Instagram and how I use Instagram. How many times do you actually click away when you, when you are scrolling through Instagram? How, how likely are you to actually click away from Instagram? Click away from Instagram? Uh-huh. Highly likely. To, to click away or not click away? To not I so you're you're not. asking me about right. uh, when you see an ad right? No, period. Just when you see any, when you see any clickable link, yeah. So an ad, what have you? The vast majority of us on Instagram, it's what I call a low commitment platform. We don't want to go anywhere else. We just wanted to scroll through our feeds, look at the pretty stuff or whatever oh, gotcha. it is, you know, the stuff that's of interest to us. So to get so I'm going to give you some metrics based upon the ads that I've run. When I run an ad on Facebook, generally, and you only know this when you test your ads, this is why I'm such a huge advocate of testing, right? So when I run my ads, I know that it costs me roughly, a, a good ad for me cost me about 65 cents per website click to get them to click from the Facebook ad over to my website, right? That ad, for instance, that I told you that has a picture of a really pretty hexagon arch and the caption says, you know, Southern California's largest selection of, you know, modern arches, blah, blah. So anywhere from 50 cents to 90 cents, but my average to get people to do that is roughly 65 cents, right? That's a good number for me. On Instagram, it costs me twice as much to get them to click away and to go over to um, to that same identical page on my website. And what that tells me is that people are disinclined to click away from Instagram, yeah. right? It's it's because we're not used to looking at it. On Facebook, we're used to clicking away and watching a longer video reading an article, um, you know, doing something that takes us away, not necessarily away. I mean, it's still lot, it's still often native content um, that's uploaded into Facebook, but we're used to longer format stuff, right? We're willing, if we click on something on Instagram, or excuse me, on Facebook, we're often willing to make the commitment to at least read a portion of what it's showing us, whether we're watching a video, we're reading a blog post, we're reading an article, a news thing. On Instagram, most of us just want to look at pretty stuff, right? So so you are hard-pressed to get people to actually click on Instagram to go over to your website. So instead of running ads on Instagram to try to compel people to click to my website, that's where I do my impressions ads meaning okay i'm probably not going to get them to click over to my website or if i do it's going to cost me twice as much as it cost me on facebook so instead on instagram i run impressions ads which is basically saying get this particular ad for this particular product in front of as many of the right people and again in this instance my right person is a 24 to 32 year old engaged to be married bride living in wherever as the as my dollars that I have input will possibly buy me. Okay, so the the clicking away, yeah, with Instagram, I don't really click away because I most people don't. I don't most really people don't leave that. Okay, that's cool. Right, good to know. So I'm not running. So I'm not running website click ads on Instagram for that reason. Okay. Right, I'm running. I'm running impressions ads. Some people call them exposure ads. Um, I call them eyeball ads because I'm saying. Okay, I'm not worried about people clicking. And, and the nice thing is I do occasionally get website clicks off of my impression. When you run an ad and using the ads manager, you from the get-go state what your objective is, right? Are you trying to get people to click on something? Or are you just trying to get as many people as possible to see it? There are varying objectives. And so you use different objectives for different platforms 
and correspondingly you use different content because if I know they're not going to click away, so for instance, my ads that I run on Instagram, I'm not, they're not going to click away. So I need to do everything I possibly can right there in that little, whatever, three by three space that they're looking at. Right. So, so my copy, copy is what you call your text, right? What you're saying is different than what you say in a Facebook ad. Certainly because you know, they're unlikely they're disinclined to click on it and go someplace else and get more info. You got to put all the info as quickly as you can and succinctly as you can on the ad itself. Okay. Now, you know what? I want to ask you because uh, you mentioned, you've been mentioning throughout the interview that you're very analytical, right? I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I, really... I am people either find it endearing or annoying. or, or both. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, I, I'm, I want to ask you, what advice can you give to people like me who aren't analytical? Like, you know, like seeing numbers, just numbers as, as soon as you see numbers, it just, it just becomes garbled in my, while, while I'm looking at it. So what's, what advice can you give to people who aren't analytical when it comes to Facebook and Instagram ads? Well, the, the t two things, of course, I mean, and this is going to come across as self-serving, but, uh, but my first response is get some help, get talked, right? You don't have, I mean, yes, I am analytical, um, but you don't have to be because of the 150 plus analytics that Facebook and Instagram report back to you. There's only five I look at, five, five or four, right? So you don't have to be analytical. What you have to do is run some ads gather those four data points, run another ad, look at those same four data points and go, okay, so this ad outperformed that ad. And the only thing I, I mean, the only thing I changed is in this ad, I changed the headline or in that ad, I changed the photo, right? I, I show people how to do this using what almost looks like a NCAA br bracketing for lack of a better explanation. There's only four variables in an ad. There's the photo, the headline, the ad copy, and the targeting. So there's only four things that you have to test. And then you look at another, for, for the, each of those four ads that you run where you make just one variable change so you can see what's actually driving the, the better performance or the poorer performance. Then you look at your, you only, I only look at four metrics. I look at cost per click. I look at click-through rate. I look at relevance and I look at frequency. And I, and I don't want to get into all of those today because we would be here all day. But <laughs> you, my, my, whole, my whole premise is you don't have to be analytical. You have to be taught. You have and to be taught. You can either, you can, right, you can either self-teach the way I did. I mean, I spent a year and a half teaching myself this stuff and going on and trying it and making mistakes and then doing it right and going, oh, okay, I understand. I see what I did different this time, right? And so it's less about being analytical and it's more about making the commitment, whether it be, <clears throat> excuse me, teaching yourself like I did, you know, for every night for, you know, not every night, but obviously night after night when we would get done with our weddings and our business, I would sit down and I would start studying this stuff, right? And start reading and start making ads and trying it and then letting it run and seeing what happened. Or you can, or you can come to somebody like, like me or other folks. Um, I don't know that there's anybody that teaches this specifically in the wedding space, but at any rate, there are other people certainly out there that teach Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and you can go and you can shortchange the learning and, 
end. Uh, when I say short change, meaning you don't have to spend the year and a half I did, and you don't have to spend the dollars that I did making mistakes, and you get and you get taught by somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, I've I always tell people that us in the wedding industry we're small businesses, and the best way for us to save money is to not waste our time. And if, Amen. If, if Amen. Right? Oh my goodness! I wish more people felt that way. If there's a, you know, it it feels very gratifying to self teach your, you know, self teach, but yeah, at the cost of what? At time and time is money, especially for us. It, we our our job is seasonal, so I always right. tell people get get help or um, ask people who who dedicate their lives for this one particular subject and just pay them to you know absolutely I, I wish more people thought they're like oh it's just my time it's like really because what the hour you know that you spend doing this is an hour that you can't spend this is back to econ 101 right the old thing of opportunity cost i am so old that the example that they used back then was it cost twenty dollars to buy a cd and but it but the cost that's the cost of the cd but the opportunity cost is the pair of jeans that you can't buy with the 20 bucks right and i just told you how old i am by virtue of that um example because you can tell you when when jeans were 20 bucks and see and people actually bought cds but um this was like class of you know when jesus was a boy but nonetheless <laughs> um the the do the dollar the time that you spend muddling through and the emotional frustration muddling through something that you could be spending doing some something that is, I'm a big believer what's called the highest and best use of your time, right? I'm going to give you an example. Uh, in our business, we own what's called a CNC plasma cutter. It makes really, really pretty stuff. And I can spend hours trying to teach myself CAD, or I can pay a guy $10 to build the programs that I, that I need and focus on what I'm good at, which is marketing and revenue generation and, and teaching people Facebook and Instagram ads and things like that. And I can pay this guy in India $10 to make the file and rather than me trying to teach myself CAD. Would I like to know CAD? Yeah, maybe. I mean, may, maybe because it'd be nice to be able to occasionally do stuff. But at the end of the day, teaching, learning CAD is not the best use of my time. Yeah. You, you just have to like learn how to uh, let go of control. And you yes. have to, you, you know, you could always build a killer team without spending too much money. That's the thing. Like, learn to w get, like the guy from India, you know, just learn to where to get your outsourcing from and yep. you'll be fine. Yeah, don't be scared. That's what I always tell people. I feel yep, like... I'm, uh, I'm a big, big I, fan. Yeah, I feel like the younger... When I was younger, I did not care about my time. Like, oh yeah, I'll charge, I'll charge, fifteen hundred for this wedding because I'm just gonna edit it myself, you know. But then after a while, you're like, oh, we need to make a little bit more money because this is not really profitable. Actually, when my wife jumped into the business, she's like, you're earning ninety eight dollars from this three thousand dollar wedding, and I'm like, oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> Yes. Well, and, and, you know, good for you that you have somebody that looks at the numbers. People are so scared to look at the numbers, but the numbers will tell you what you need to know. And I remember we used to have a sign on the wall at Pepsi that said chasing volume because volume is the, in our business and you're in my business revenue would be a better way to say it. 
but so we'll say chasing revenue at the expense of profit is like eating soup with a fork. You're really busy, but at the end of the day, you're still hungry. Yeah. My gosh. And that's that's what I always tell people. Being busy is not the goal. Being profitable is the goal. And when it comes to the vanity metrics that we talked about earlier, I always say being popular is not the goal. Being profitable is the goal. Oh, that's beautiful. Work smart, not hard. <laughs> oh, I work really hard. Trust me, I work really hard. Yeah, me too, me but too. But <laughs> none, yeah, none, nonetheless, you know, a lot of your questions are about on the, you know, you asked me about the uh, the organic posts, and I, and I know I kept saying glibly, I don't know, and I don't care. And I do, but at the end of the day, I just hope they don't change the ads platform because the ads platform works beautifully. What they do with my organic posts, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with, right? Because at the end of the day, my job is to get my product in front of a hundred of the right people is better than a thousand of the wrong people. I think the, the main thing that I've learned from doing this podcast, because I started January, and most uh -huh. the one thing I've learned is that your goal is to emails emails is currency, right? Just like what you were telling me, like a custom audience. So as as uh -huh. long as you have an email list that you build. Oh, you're, you're listening to a list built. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. You listen to somebody who understands list building. It yes. is still an, an email address is still the gold standard. Maybe not for yes. the same reasons that we thought it used to be, as just like getting their email address. But an email address is the gold standard because of the whole sales funnel process and because of the custom audience process. It yes. is people who say, "Oh, I don't need emails." I'm like, "No, no okay, but understand, it's not just a one-time use on whatever Constant Contact or Mailchimp or one of those. It's what you can do with that asset beyond yep. just garden variety e-blasts." And also they were saying, you know, um, if one day Facebook and Instagram just vanished from the face of the earth. That's right. The, that's right. You, you were, yeah. Email, yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. As much as I love Facebook ads and Instagram ads, I mean, you are building, when you rely on them so heavily, I mean, I have an email list, obviously, and, and you're building your house on rented land, right? And, and Mark Zuckerberg is the landlord. Right. And and right now we have no reason to believe that he's going to tear down your house on his property. Right? But but he can because it's not your property. It's his it's, yes. and it's or it's the company's. Right. So list building is absolutely key because then you become the property owner. Oh, my gosh. Different, po different, pod different podcasts. But I yes, know I'm we, we huge, have huge advocate. <laughs> we already had uh, two more podcasts after this because we talked about <laughs> No, but okay. okay. So my last question is because you you you've been mentioning that you have a workshop, right? Is it a workshop or is it more of like a so, online? So it's a yeah. I have I have a course. I have a, about a five and a half hour course that I've been teaching for a couple of years now, and people can access it a couple different ways. One is I do one on one tutoring. It's you know it's a little bit more expensive, but it's still it's still pretty affordable. It's like you know I think five or six hundred bucks if I'm not mistaken, um, and it gets you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention where we look at specific examples of how to apply this in, in your business, right? Everything I do is wedding and event related. So it's not silly examples like you're a pool cleaning guy, but let me tell you how to do it with weddings, right? All of the examples are live uh, examples. 
for the industry. So I do. So some people like the one-on-one because of the time versus money thing. It's a little bit more expensive, but hey, it's solely them, um, and it's not ten other brands. Then I also teach it in group courses, and and then my last project, frankly, because I have so many, I have more people wanting to be taught one-on-one than I have time to teach is I am taking all of my content and doing an online course that I'll be releasing um, at uh, right around Wedding MBA time, actually. So they'll be able to access all of the same information that I teach one-on-one. People will be able to access it through a membership-based site. Sweet. Okay. So my question about that is, for a workshop, mm-hmm. for let's say you're, you're trying to um, make an ad for your workshop, right? Your workshop doesn't, for example, your workshop is catered for to wedding vendors from uh, 24 years old to 65 years old. Is that something that how are you gonna how are you gonna promote your workshop to reach that audience? Ah, that's a whole different. That's a whole different. Um, like a really short, process. short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I call. It, so I am writing the coattails of other people that have already cultivated my target audience. Okay, and which which so that's a fancy way of saying. I know exactly which pages just by doing some homework. You know what pages do wedding people follow? The Knot, Wedding Wire. If you're a florist, you probably follow Preston Bailey. If you're a planner, you follow. You might follow Mindy Weiss. Um, you might follow. I don't know, Brides Magazine, right? So I run my ads to the fans of those pages. So they have their fan base or their follower base. And this is this is the there's nothing illegitimate or you know black hat about this. This is how Facebook ads work. A more sophisticated level of doing it, but uh, those folks have already done the heavy lifting. They have cultivated a target audience, meaning a fan or follower base, be it Facebook or Instagram, made up of a gazillion people. You have to make a basic assumption that the people that are fans and followers of the knot and wedding wire are either getting married or they're in the marrying business, right? So I run my ads to the fans of those pages where my target audience is hanging out. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that silence, that silence oh, scared man. me. I was like, are you, are I'm, you okay? Did I'm you have actually, a heart attack? Or you-, you know, I've, I've had... I've had so much notes. I swear. I don't know if you can see the screen, but I have a lot of notes. I've been taking so many notes, and I'm actually on page two. So that that really yeah, helps. I mean, that I mean, makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all of this takes time to to learn, and I mean, more than I can possibly do in a however many minutes long podcast. But that is. The, the summary of how you do it inside of Facebook and Instagram. There's all sorts of demographic and psychographic targeting that you can do directly. I mean, we are so, so lucky in this wedding industry that when somebody becomes engaged, typically girls, and I, and I know I'm talking generically about brides, but obviously this can you know apply to grooms as well. Often the first thing that that person does when they become engaged is they, I don't know, they call their mom, right? And then the second thing they do when they become engaged is they change their Facebook status. The minute they they change their Facebook status, they are now mine. We are so lucky that it is just not hard to, I know you said you target the other vendors and that's fine. I understand why, because you are doing maybe two weddings a weekend and, but of a, a much higher dollar amount. My business is the polar opposite. I do 10, 12 weddings a weekend because we are, for lack of a better description, a transactional 
business, right? We are going to go, my driver is going to go set up Brittany's arch. And then he's going to go set up Jessica and Matt's um, 30 candelabras. And then he's going to go set up, you know, whomever, Benny's bar mitzvah, right? And we are going to upwards of 12 different places every weekend. I still need the right type of people um, but I target the brides directly, the grooms directly, because that is of value to me because I'm not going to make, you know, $5,000 per gig. I'm going to have more gigs um, than you have, but my transaction amount is lower than yours. So I target the couples themselves um, as well as the professionals. I understand why you target the professionals because you're going to be around them all freaking day long. I'm not going to be there for 30 minutes and or my driver's going to be there for 30 minutes setting them up making sure they're good to go and then they're out of there. So we aren't frankly building long-term relationships with our customers. We are way down the food chain from a videographer when it comes to relationship building. Yeah. Well, and I'm also, I'm also lazy and I hate small talk. So this is, the, <laughs> that's why I just, that's why I just I cater to them. So that's why I just cater to the yep. vendors I'm already friends with yeah. because you know, it's, yeah. it's less effort. <laughs> That's why I put my prices on my website. People go, oh, it's so great that you put the prices on there. I'm like, yeah, I do that for two reasons. One, because, you know, I want to be fair. I truly believe in ethics and fairness. And the other is that I don't want to have to tell 500 brides how much a hexagon arch costs. It's right there for them. They yeah. want to know at 2 a.m. How much, how much that beautiful modern canopy and 30 candelabras cost. And guess what? They can figure that out without having small talk with me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we share the same boat. So, yep. you know, I, I really want to thank you because this has been, I I was expecting it to be a killer episode and for sure you showed up and it it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to help out the people, the listeners okay. and the viewers. So I would love it if you now talk about how they could contact you if they want to do the workshop and um, yeah. where, where do they need to go? I just email, best ways to email me. Um, I am old school. I like email. Um, it's Valerie V A L E R I E at wedding ads that work. So that's Valerie at wedding ads that work. Yep, ads that work dot com. Okay, that's perfect. Any last words before we end? Um. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, I really appreciate it. I, I seriously, I, I, it was just a pleasant surprise because you know we did a style shoot together, and I uh -huh. heard you talking to Sandro about Facebook ads, and I'm, and he's like, wait, you need to talk to Paul because Paul here, you need to talk to Valerie, and from there it's just I almost forgot to film because we were already talking about this, and I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> I need to get back to work. <laughs> Well, it was really fun to meet you, and yeah, Zandra was was great because that day one of my drivers called in sick, and I was also the delivery driver for enticing tables that day. So we all have to jump in and jump, you know, work in our business. We all want to work on our business, but we don't always have that luxury. But um, yeah, it's been it's been fun talking to you, and I'm happy and and to have done it, and hopefully this is of value to your uh, listeners. Oh yeah, for sure, and I really really thank you. So I will. Um talk to you soon and appreciate your time my pleasure have a great week paul thank you thanks so much for being with us this week if you have some feedback you'd like to share 
please leave a note in the comment section below or DM me or email me, whatever you can. Just let me know. If you enjoyed this episode on the biggest mistakes people make when using Facebook and Instagram ads, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. I think this is the best way for me to reach and for you to help other people. So don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes to get automatic episode updates for our Wedding Video Boss podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave an honest review and rating on iTunes. They really help us out when it comes to ranking of the show, and I make it to a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Actually, I'll read one right now. This review comes from The Piner. D-A-P-I-E. D-A-P-I-N-E-R. I think it, I know who this guy is. His headline is Content is King. And he said, well thought out guest list week by week. The show truly never disappoints. You almost don't want to listen without a pen and a piece of paper to write down the golden knowledge you are gaining from each show. Paul is the perfect host. I am a fan. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate that. You know, sometimes Matt, he just sends me photos of him while on vacationing, listening to the podcast with a, a glass of wine right next to a Bluetooth speaker, and it's amazing. Guys, the season finale is right around the corner, so watch out for some really good stuff coming, including a workshop in the works and ebooks that I'm finishing up personally just for my wedding bosses. Till then, play nice if you can't win, be nice. Especially if you're good with me. Boss man out. Some really good stuff coming, including a workshop in the works and ebooks that I'm finishing up personally just for my wedding bosses. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice. Especially if you're good with me. Boss man out. Thank you.